It's Monday the 12th of April 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by the Roof broadcast journalist Ingolfur Bjartni Sivusson. Welcome to you. Good morning, Alex. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. It's a sunny day in Reykjavik. Yeah, we don't. We haven't had that many of those recently. Um, so this week, going in something like reverse order of importance, I guess, um, we learned that Iceland Air has been transporting more people domestically and more freight internationally, even though its core international passenger service remains completely paralysed. Um, Domino's Pizza in Iceland is being sold back to the person who first founded it for the third time. And police confirmed the explosion in a road tunnel last month was caused by the biggest improvised explosive device ever found in Iceland. Um, There are four suspects in the case, which is being treated more as vandalism rather than terrorism. New fissures have opened up at the Geldingadalir and Meradalir volcano, with mounting signs the eruption could go on and on. Gas pollution has been recorded in many nearby towns, including Reykjavik, but never at critical levels. Near the site, however, visitors are reminded to stay safe and keep the volcano downwind as the threat of gas is very real. Several people have sought medical help because of the volcanic gases. Uh, In COVID news, yes, we haven't escaped that. Um, Iceland has decided to stop giving the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine to women under the age of 55. It's also been confirmed that the single dose Janssen vaccine will start arriving in the country from this Wednesday. The goal of offering all eligible people a vaccination by the end of July could actually be achieved by the middle of July, experts hope. And it was all changed at the border again last week as the illegality of compulsory hotel quarantine was accepted by the authorities and new rules put in place. Mostly aimed, it seems, at making arriving passengers use the same hotels by choice. Uh, The complicated situation remains pretty fluid, however, and discussion has turned into open disagreements between certain parties at certain times. Um, So where would you like to begin? Instead of starting with the obvious, which would be COVID or volcano, how about we talk about springtime in Reykjavik? Because we're both recording this from home. And I can actually hear birds in my in my garden here outside my window. I actually get awakened by them around five o'clock in the morning which is sort of where the sun starts peaking up around this time of year. So if your listeners are abroad, springtime in Iceland uh, is a very odd time because we had winter-like weather just a couple of days ago, and now it's mild and spring-like. I mean, we had this in March too. It was it was a very mild March, um, and, and a lot of the plants and birds thought it was spring. And then we had some of the, the most snow and the coldest temperatures that we've had at all during the very beginning of April. Yep, that's that's when it usually hits you. You know, we have the headline mild. You know, we haven't seen less snow in Reykjavik since 1977, and you know, oh god, you know, now we have the headline, which means we have a few days of not fantastic weather ahead of us because that's just the way it works. Yeah, but it's nice. It is. It was actually that having some proper snow, although it's later than I would like it. It was all right. Yeah, we haven't really had any this winter. That's true. This is a strange place when it comes to weather. You may call it Iceland, but it doesn't always live up to its name. Certainly not in Reykjavik. Slushland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it is a great day, um, but uh, maybe we should talk about the news instead. 
Indeed. Well, the volcano is always something that people are slightly interested in. I'm the only Icelander, as far as I know, who's not been there. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it was um, it was good. <laughs> it's it's quite it's I mean, looking at all the video streams that are coming in, uh, I've just been busy working, which is something that happens. Uh, it looks nice. Mm. Did you trudge that all the way up? Your, are you one of the people who splurges on a helicopter ride or did you just trudge <clears> up there? No, 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 no. I mean, I could just about afford the petrol to get the car there, but no, not, oh, the, there you go. not the helicopter. <laughs> uh, it was not such a bad hike. It wasn't as bad as some people have said, um, but it got pretty icy while we were up there. And there was the, the, the chain on the way down, the one, you know, the COVID chain, as they're calling it. Um, right. Everyone needed to use it because it was so slippery. And there was a queue for like half an hour just to get to that bit. There was so many people down. Oh, wow. It's amazing. It's amazing to have this. I mean, it sounds like something that must have been cooked up by inspired by Iceland because it's right smack between the international airport and the capital city of Reykjavik. And it's it's a friendly volcano. I guess we could call it that at this point, at least. I mean, it might still go places. Well, I mean, the the the, the fissure or the, the, the magma intrusion is running north south. Um, which on a peninsula like Reykjanes couldn't be much better. If it does get a lot worse, it would run into the sea, I guess. Which, you know. Eventually, yes. I mean, you know, which would probably just make another pretty sight. It's it's quite extraordinary because when you think of an eruption this close to a very densely populated area, you sort of think like, oh, that doesn't sound like something that'll have a happy ending, but so far so good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it's changing all the time. I mean, people are really interested, as you say, because of the speed of the change and new gaps, new holes are opening up. And I mean, it's like a kilometer long now and it's yep. possible, not not for sure, but it's possible they could all sort of link together into this <laughs> huge erupting um, 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 fissure, which would be amazing. And go on for years or even decades, according to the geologist. So that sounds like, uh, I mean, literally uh, inspired by Iceland or, you know, the Icelandic tourist, but couldn't, couldn't even dream this up. Mm. Although, you know, I do like two of the headlines that you mentioned, uh, completely different stories, which is one of the domino stories. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it just sounds ridiculous. Somebody bought the dominoes branches in Iceland for the first, uh, sorry, for the third time. And this is a story that's been sort of, it pops up in the headlines, the, the fate of dominoes in Iceland every few years. For some reason, Icelanders love their dominoes. They buy dominoes pizza to an extent that every few years, you know, dominoes in Australia, I believe, was the latest uh, latest company that from abroad that purchased it because it just makes such an unbelievable profit. And then they come in and somehow it all sort of, crumbles as soon as other different management takes over and it's always the same guy who ends up buying it back and I think making a decent profit. So maybe we should ask him about his tricks in business. Mm. Well, the most recent one was the, the British Domino's group, but I think the Australian ones were the ones before that, maybe. And yeah, you're right. He sold it a few times and made a profit every time, a, a good profit. Yeah. And then ends up taking it back on again. Got to say, he's he's the leader of a group of investors this time. It's not not just this guy, um, but still. It's quite funny. Yeah. And the same person or group, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, the, if, if it's the same group, but he's 
taking on the the Scandinavian operation as well this time, which is represents an expansion. Well, why not? Exactly. It's about high time the, the the Icelanders started doing business in Scandinavia again. I'm sure the Scandinavians are thrilled that we're back with our pockets full of cash or whatever it was ten years ago. <laughs> but at least it's pockets full of dough this time. Well, let's hope. Yes, pockets full of dough, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's interesting that Domino's Pizza is so popular in Iceland and pretty much, uh, you know, it's a very visible force in the in the fast food market. But absolutely, it's not still it's not a given that it's going to be financially successful. That says something about, I guess, profit margins and and, and just yeah, doing generally. Yeah, and and how fickle just trends are. I mean, people sort of, you know. Something else pops up, and then everyone just gets tired of eating pizza or eating tired of eating Domino's, and just overnight everyone goes buy something else. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're they're not exactly keto friendly, are they? Ah, uh, gosh, probably not, and definitely not vegan. Ah, uh, they've been uh, anyway. This is not an advert for Domino's, but yeah, they do have vegan options now. <laughs> oh well, there you go. See, that's how it tells you how much Domino's pizza I eat. <laughs> Yeah, and me. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, also, it's also interesting that some of the, the flights that Iceland Air has been doing. I mean, you mentioned that they're doing quite well in on domestic routes, which is interesting because that has been a problem field for Iceland Air or its local, the 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 domestic subsidiary, which has now been sort of merged into the mother mothership or mother plane. They they've been complaining about how difficult it is to make that business work for years, and now they're doing better. It seems with no tourists. I wonder how much that has got to do with Loftbrú, the, um, the 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 state subsidies for people who live outside of the capital. One would imagine that it would have uh, quite a bit to do with that, inevitably. But it's also interesting. I mean, they they've they seem to have been quite quite. Uh, clever i guess i suppose is the word and trying to find alternative uh ways of keeping their planes flying because you know they certainly weren't transporting passengers for the biggest part of the last year and now of course passenger flights have picked up but they've they're doing freight a lot mm. quite a lot they did this interesting i mean they even sent the 767 well you know to the south pole which people probably noticed in the headlines in the last few weeks but they also had some repatriation flights from Islamabad to Manchester last week. So apparently because of new COVID rules in Britain, if I understood it correctly, people wanted to you know, move hard, quickly between the two countries before they were sort of locked out. Uh, and Iceland Air flew, uh, I think three or four, which isn't a huge thing, but still interesting that, that Iceland Air would be flying that route. It's not mm. necessarily the carrier one would think of on, on, on that particular route. So they they seem to be quite um, flexible and quick at jumping at uh, opportunities to try to stay afloat, which is everyone in, in air travel and tourism is doing right now. And that point came up, at, now you mention it, exactly last year when they were going through this very, very painful restructuring. Um, that one of the outcomes they were looking for was to be very flexible and competitive internationally. It seems to, in that case, have worked. Well, certainly. I mean, I I don't know how easy, easy it is to get, uh, you know, 
larger planes with crew on short notice right now because so much of the international air fleet is just stored and it takes days or weeks to get them flying. Uh, but yes, I mean, good for them. We all have to find ways, I suppose, right now. Mm. It's also interesting that in the headlines last week have been interviews with some of the larger hotel chains that were surprisingly positive following uh, a winter one would have thought would would have been quite difficult for them. Most of them have, have closed several other properties, but they say that, uh, especially outside of Reykjavik, of course, which makes sense, uh, their hotels are partially doing fairly good business, and that, you know, in case you were trying wanted to go somewhere outside of Reykjavik during the summer, uh, Alex, apparently they're getting fully booked some of the hotels outside of Reykjavik, which is quite interesting because I don't think we still, I mean, I'd be surprised if there was a lot of international travelers booking their holidays in Iceland or anywhere for that matter right now. So apparently people are planning to travel within the country and already making plans. And it's interesting how how the economic impact seems to have been on the whole just less than anticipated. Mm. Uh yeah, and and that might might even link back into the Iceland Air story. I mean, they they said in March they transported sixteen thousand people domestically and only seven thousand people internationally. And I I personally know of a lot of people that have, for example, been uh, taking skiing trips in in the east and the north um, and flying there. Maybe that's got something to do with it, and the hotels too. Yes, I mean it's 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 interesting how things are. You know what? What sort of seems to be severely and and forcefully impacted, and whatnot. It's uh, it's interesting, and it, just the fact that you know we're both working full time, but I don't know. I can't really remember even the last time I was at the office because I'm just working from home. Uh, probably something similar from you, but we're still doing what we're supposed to do. So it, it's interesting, um, and it you know. People adjust and it seems to have worked out surprisingly well. I just saw a headline actually this morning, uh, which was interesting, that Iceland is actually among the European countries that has given the lowest direct economic support uh, to to sort of uh, soften the economic blow of, of uh, soften the economic blow of COVID, which is interesting. Um, there certainly have been an. Uh, a, a, measures here, but apparently it's only around 2.5% of GDP, according to the International Monetary Fund. I don't know if they're counting everything, but that certainly is interesting. That, That's uh, fascinating, because the, the, the headlines we've had until now have been very much about, well, certainly from the government anyway, uh, about how much support they've been giving. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. And it, I mean, certainly it's bit quite a bit, but apparently others have, have needed or, or done more. So there's a yes, that seems to be a, uh, a light at the end of the economic tunnel, and the, the darkness in the tunnel didn't become quite as bad as we thought. So I suppose that's something to be grateful for. Mm. I mean, in in Iceland, the the financial support has been kind of focused on the tourism industry and also others like bars and hairdressers and things that were forced to close. Um, and maybe in other countries they've had, you know, all of their shops have closed down and maybe, yeah. maybe that explains it. Indeed, I mean, uh, the, 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 the measure here was largely to try to keep businesses afloat so that actually could, they could keep 
staff and that they wouldn't have to fire a lot of people uh, or that they would simply go bust. So uh, I don't know if we can go so far as to say that this indicates that that plan uh, worked or if it's just too early to tell yet, but uh, it's interesting that the number isn't higher and that mm -hmm. we're sort of on the lower end of the spectrum, certainly. Yeah, and 2.5% of GDP, I mean, it's obviously it's a huge amount of money, but it doesn't sound Absolutely. like the we've heard bandied around until now. Certainly not. I mean, I, you know, uh, I believe Britain, Germany, uh, it's, it's from sort of 5 to 10% of GDP. So quite a lot more than, than we've needed. To, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. I was also fascinated by this interest, this story of, of the people who exploded a, I guess, a, I mean, it was a bomb. It was a homemade bomb in this road tunnel in the countryside. It That's was, uh, certainly not a, yeah, oh, not a headline we hear every day. Bomb, bomb detonated, you know, what? That's That was my initial re reaction, what? And then you immediately think it must be teenagers playing, but no, it wasn't. It was middle-aged people, and they seem to have been quite serious with their bomb, bomb exercises. But uh, I haven't seen a lot of details about who these people were and what they're what they were trying to do. Have you seen them? There is some speculation, um, but no, there's been nothing, nothing official from the police or or, or to the media yet. Um, but it's interesting that it isn't being treated as a, a major terrorist incident. So that indicates perhaps that they know who the guys are, and perhaps. Well, I mean, they they have four suspects, uh, and and there seems to be, you know, there seems to be no great mystery except one would like to know what what they were trying to achieve now it has to be said that this particular road tunnel is is not entirely without controversy simply because it's a slightly older one and it doesn't perhaps meet the uh the needs or the um uh, the criteria we would have for such tunnels and and their safety today so maybe they were in some odd way trying to shine a light on that or force uh, the government's hand in, in trying to improve that particular tunnel, but but certainly interesting. Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> risk to take um, just to shine a light on an issue. And odd that you wouldn't then try to point out what you were trying to achieve because it's not like they put out a statement or try to explain what they were trying to do. Uh, I don't know if they were trying to practice something entirely different, but it's... Uh, it's an, an yet another unusual headline for Iceland. We don't really go around uh, throwing bombs. You know, the closest we get is New Year's without fireworks. Yeah, and it was in, the reaction to it was interesting because, uh, for example, on Ruv English, we've had many, many new followers through, because of the volcano recently from all over the world. And so there was a huge reaction to this story from people that were shocked and then... <laughs> Possibly who'd never visited Iceland or whatever, and, and yeah, it was it was an even more interesting story because of that. I found. 
Indeed, I mean, if you lack the context and you wonder if this is something that people go around doing and, and road tunnels in Iceland on a, on a weekly basis, yes, that might make you rethink your travel plans to visit the volcano if you have a... No, but, you know, that's, that's one of those stories that still needs an ending or an explanation. certainly up to us in the press to try to find out, uh, you know, <laughs> what was all of this about? You know, it's not like a group of people show up in the middle of the afternoon, you know. I mean, there has to be a reason. Yeah. It's a, I'm yeah. sure the winters in the West Fjords can be a little boring where, you know, the well, not, not really the West Fjords or, the, you know, winters no. sometimes can be boring, but this isn't really what one would come up with to alleviate that. No, I agree. And it takes a bit of planning and probably some financial investment as well. So, no. yeah, I mean, that's one would think one would think. Yes. Uh, just quickly, I know we're skipping around a lot today, but that's okay. Um, quickly going back to your point about the hotels. Um, I wonder how many people are booking from overseas because they've been promised from the 1st of May that we're changing over to the color coding system at the border. That is a very good, very good question. Um, I mean, you know, and it's it must be difficult for people to try to make plans. We certainly see because of the, the of the COVID hotel, the mandatory uh, quarantine that was ruled illegal last week, at least in the form that it was uh, mandated at that point, seems to have cost people just to cancel their trips. Now, if you plan to come here for a couple of days and uh, want to visit the volcano, and we're possibly thinking of just taking the quarantine uh, requirements here a little lightly and go trudging up to the volcano anyway. Uh, and fly out in three days. Uh, being quarantined for five would probably make you rethink, which it should. We would very much like to keep you away if you're positive or if you're not willing to do what needs to be done to keep the rest of us okay. But yes, I mean, the, the rules have been fluctuating a little bit. It's probably hard for the tourists or indeed anyone who has to come here. I mean, there are certainly people who for work or, or family reasons need to go between countries. It's difficult to figure out uh, what applies today and uh, you know has something changed since the last time I looked and it's, it's probably hard for those who are responsible also for maintaining the various website in various languages just to make sure that the info that they're presenting at any given time is actually up to date in all languages 17 of them I think so yeah yes the, you don't really google translate that with good success so yeah mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and of course, it's it's as much about people that live here as well. Um, and oh, absolutely. Some people who deliberately or sometimes accidentally um, break quarantine in their own homes or who've got family and friends around, and it's it's difficult. And yeah, yeah, the chief epidemiologist is is, is quite adamant about saying, you know, all, almost all, I believe, all but one. Uh, group cases that we've had, um, group infections can't be traced back to someone who, you know, Icelander or someone living here or tourists uh, who came in and didn't fully follow the quarantine rules. Uh, in a small place like Iceland, the space was sort of the, the gap between great success and great failure is a very narrow one. You know, it doesn't really need a lot of cases to go wrong for there to be a uh, you know, very serious growth in cases and, and then we're sort of, well, then we're screwed. That's actually, a, I've never heard it worded like that before. It's true, completely. I mean, the, 
this huge wave that we had in the autumn and the winter can basically be traced back to two people. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's why we're, you know, I think there's a general consensus among the public that, you know, despite feeling the pain of those in the tourism industry, uh, there's an overwhelming majority of people saying, you know, let's just try to keep everything else in the economy and daily life uh, rolling. Keeps kid, you know, let's try to keep kids in school and and uh, enable families to meet and people to to do their other jobs. And tourism will have to wait a little bit longer because we still haven't reached a very high number of people with who have been vaccinated. We certainly don't have anything close to herd immunity. And as you said, you know, it doesn't take many cases to to you know rapidly take us in another direction. We're in currently as hard of a lockdown as we've had. It's nothing like overseas, but uh, we are in it right now. Supposed to end or change at least on Wednesday slash Thursday. Um, mm -hmm. Any indication of what, you know, what's going to come next? It's very hard to tell. I think there's probably going to be quite a bit of pressure to uh, Increase the number of people who can gather, open perhaps theaters and 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 allow indoor sports for children and such. Today, I believe we had one COVID case which was in quarantine. Yesterday, there were two, neither one of them quarantined. So there's still a few around. Um, um, and, you know, they're sadly mostly of the the uh, newer variants who seem to be more contagious and also seem to infect children. So there's just a larger group of people who can potentially be at risk. Uh, yeah, it's it's complicated. I get it. Yeah. And when there are still cases coming up out of quarantine on most days, I think, even if it's only one or two, uh, thought of it, I know, would say that's too many. Um, well, yes, and it's always going to be. I mean, it's it's natural that there is a a dialogue between what the epidemiologist says. You know, his role is to try to keep everyone safe and to keep the 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 sickness at bay, where you know, preferably just completely out of the country. Uh, there is a a. It's natural that there's a debate between the measures needed to to reach that goal and the potential damage of such a harsh lockdown. And the risk of opening up. I think there there will probably be the biggest sort of debate around the the expansions of freedoms. I guess we could call them at uh, that, that we hope for this week. You know, what are we doing at the border to keep uh, keep those who may be positive out, or at least quarantine them? How are we testing, tracing, and and quarantining people, and make sure that people respect quarantine rules? And that will affect how much leeway the rest of us have really i mean that's just sort of the balance that we're in you know if if people come come in here sort of easily and uh and there's not an, a very effective way of trying to make sure that that uh then you know that they're not inadvertently of course but still bringing bringing covid within uh with them that means that the rest of us will probably have to have more restrictions in order to keep keep everything at bay Yep, indeed. Well, um, there we go. Out of time, I'm afraid. Um, but the week. Yeah, another COVID week. There's another COVID week. Uh, the week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 19th of April, on Ruv.is forward slash English, Ruv English on Facebook through the Ruv app and your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks to my guest today, Ingolver Bjarni Sefusson, and also to Lydia Gretesdottir for seeing to the technical side of things. We finished today with a song called Vid Erum Eight, and the artist is called Trigvi. 
Bye for now. Haftur ég með Nei,